the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our third hour today. It is a delight to do so with our good friend Sam Stone. He's a political consultant in town. He also has his own radio show heard every Saturday right here at 3 p.m. Breaking Battlegrounds. Um, Great Twitter feed, too, uh, at uh, Sam the Paul, P-O-L. Sam, happy Thursday to you. How are you, brother? Uh, happy Thursday to you, Seth. I am fantastic, as always, and I should probably put a language warning on that Twitter account because I've been salty again lately, but heck. I haven't seen it. Just go with it. I haven't seen it. Uh, maybe I haven't read deep. I haven't gone to a deep enough cut, perhaps. But... Well, I, you know what? It's, it's been one of those salty weeks. Everyone's sort of ticking me off, which is, I, I am sad to say, I'm officially checking all the boxes for old grouchhood. Oh, that's all right. Sometimes the, the times de- de- demand a little grouchiness. I mean, my producer's grouchy. He's, he's grouchy because he, um, he didn't eat lunch today, though. He claims he did. It was a slice of cheesecake. I said, no protein. He said, oh, yeah, plenty of protein. So he's dealing with low blood sugar. I'm trying to deal with his... His contumacious attitude this afternoon. There's there's a no. lot of grouchiness around, Sam. I mean, I, I don't know, Seth. I, I'm kind of with him on this one. Like, uh, are you? Cheesecake, right? Like, okay. there's protein in there. Okay. There's some sort of balance. Okay. You can make a meal out of this. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. It, it may have something to do with the fact that I'm fat, but okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> Sam, <laughs> um, there's a difference between that and being a fat head. And I think the New York Times, I want to talk to you about the New York Times and this Missouri v. Biden decision and the oh, fat-headedness of the media. I want to, didn't, did you talk to my friend Ann Atkinson recently, the woman from ASU? Yeah, we did. I want to did. talk to we, you about that. Yeah, go ahead. We had her on, and right now I'm engaged in a Twitter beef with one of her, with an ASU professor, Brooke Simpson, who uh, is absolutely ridiculous. Like, you want to talk about consummation. Yeah. I mean, good grief. These folks, you know. Oh, we didn't. We didn't try to ban Anne or these speakers. No, no, of yes, course you did. No, no, just just slathered all over the university to the students and throughout uh, the entire ASU community that Dennis Prager was KK was 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 like inviting Dennis K. Prager was like bringing in the KKK that and that they were a bunch of white supremacists and students should not go. But no, not yeah, a no, ban, not a ban. And then we'll fire the administrator who's in, in charge of uh, bringing them. Not a ban. And so that the next time anyone tries to bring Charlie Kirk or Dennis Prager to ASU, they can know that they will be compared to worse than David Duke. Not a ban. No, 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 no banning right. here. No, no, no. To- total I, look, free and open are- speech and a commitment to academic intellectual diversity. Well, that's exactly right, because, you know, when you frame your arguments in ways that are deceptive, clearly your intent was not to be deceptive. Clearly your intent was not to drive these speakers away or any future speakers away or close this school down, despite the fact that there was still funding there for it, and to fire the the people involved with this event. No, that wasn't your intent. That just sort of happened. Well, let me ask this question. 
if there was no restraint on speech here, could you explain to me why Dennis Prager needed security? Right. Could right. you explain why the police were buzzing and drones were buzzing the event? Can you explain that to me? I will tell you that um, this this just doesn't happen to liberals on campus. They they may want to have their own security for their own reasons, but it's not because of the conservatives on the campus, and it's not because well, of know, the conservative you know professors. No, you know what's really interesting, Seth? I mean, first, it's not the conservative professors, right? It's not their their counterparts on campus who are putting them under threat the way they are putting conservatives under threat. That is absolutely true. But also with these speaker incidents, I'm sorry, I, I can't point to a, a any time in recent history where a group of conservatives had gotten together and said, this speaker should not be allowed to speak. Their views are so anathema that nobody can hear them. I mean, that's that's a fundamental difference between the two sides. Conservatives may go, everyone should boycott that. We shouldn't go anywhere near it. But that's not the same thing. Making a choice whether to listen to somebody is not the same thing as being denied that choice or trying to deny others that choice. And they want to pretend that it is. And then on the security end of it, there's, you know, you hear this from liberals all the time, especially in academia and the media, where they're saying, oh, I received all these threats. And those threats amount to people like cursing them out on Twitter, right? Um I, I don't really even I don't even know what they are. I, I, I have no idea what they are. I they could be they, they could be anonymous Twitter people from twenty states away. I, I have no idea what any of these things are. I'm against those threats obviously and they're bad. But you know what? You get them and I get them too, and we don't cower and we don't and, and we don't and, and we don't raise the claim that these are serious. And I got to no, tell I, you... And I don't go I, running around pretending to be persecuted. No, we don't. People go, are mean. Correct. You're correct. I will trade the emails and the and the cursings out I get with uh, every single professor and what they got, every single one of those 38 professors and what they got. And I will tell you, my volume is going to out, outbeat all of theirs. Without any kind of a doubt whatsoever. Without any doubt whatsoever. And ratcheting up the language on this, on these kind of issues, the way they do, that they're acting like if you simply disagree with someone, that you're threatening their existence. In fact, they're yeah, they, they're yes, letter- Dennis Prager made ASU unsafe by by disagreeing with Planned Parenthood. Yes, right, he, he made That's the campus exactly unsafe. That. Heaven forfend. Right, and that is so far from any reality that exists in the world, and that is why I do not understand the people that are. are are jumping up and down and defending these folks. And I don't understand how you can call yourself a public university and allow this kind of leftist discrimination to permeate your campus the way ASU has done. You know, they do it this way. I think there's a trick, an intellectual trick, and I don't know if they know they're playing it, but this is how it works, I think, Sam. They think that there is a realm of freedom of speech that needs to be protected. They think there is a realm of academic freedom and inquiry that should be sacrosanct. But they believe that that realm varies from between left to liberal. And anything, oh, say, slightly to the right of maybe Joe Lieberman is beyond the pale and is the equivalent of, I don't know, David Duke or, 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 or take your pick. 
the interesting thing to me, Ibram Kendi comes to the campus a couple months ago. Not a peep, not a word. This is a man who literally writes and stands for actual racial discrimination. He's put it in his book. He puts it in his speeches. Not a peep. But Dennis Prager, who's probably one of the great integrationists of our time and probably represents the civil rights views of Martin Luther King as well as anyone else in the public life, he's a threat to the campus because he just doesn't believe in Planned Parenthood and NARAL's projects and opinions. Yeah, correct. I mean, this this interpretation that they're placing on speech is the same kind of interpretation that is placed on speech by the Chinese Communist yes, Party. Yes, it is. As, right. Now today, but correct. all previously correct. throughout its history, starting with Mao, it is the same kind of freedom of speech that they had in the Soviet Union. Oh, I mean, you're so right. Thing. You're so right. If you go to the communist American page, the American communist and socialist websites uh, in in America, obviously tautological there. But if you go there and look up freedom of speech, they say we support freedom of speech so long as it supports the cause, the revolution. You get, you name it. The fr- the freedom right. of speech exists for the purpose of promoting a single ideology. That's how they do it. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I actually encourage people if you haven't. Go out online right now and look up Chinese Constitution. Oh, I love it. I spent a lot of time there. It's long, yeah. but I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> I do. No, it, it's, it's the most subversive document you can ever imagine because it it does it codifies what you and I were just yes. talking about, where yep. it essentially says it lays out all these rights, but then the more you dig into it, the more those rights are circumscribed and limited and taken away and can be taken away by the fiat of whoever is above you in the party chain. And that's how the, that's how modern American leftism is working when it comes to speech is, you know, oh, it's okay for some leftist to say some crazy, evil, awful thing. But if anyone says anything on the right that is anywhere in that same ballpark, they have to be prosecuted, they have to be shut down, they have to be platforms we can't risk anybody hearing that and it is really a hierarchy of power not any sort of god-given right the way that most americans understand such things i like that a hierarchy of power based on an orwellian ideology that must that must um redefine words you talk about the chinese constitution the country is called the people's republic of china it's a perversion of the word republic look at north korea what is it called the democratic people's republic of korea must be a democracy right sam let me take a quick break (laughs) i'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone is my guest, host of Breaking Battlegrounds, heard here every Saturday at 3 p.m. Sam the Paul, P-O-L, is his um, Twitter handle. Sam, there's a very close cognate to what we're talking about here with regard to the way the media, particularly the New York Times, handled the uh, Missouri v. Biden case. But before I do that... Kind of shame on me. I I hope you had a happy Fourth of July. I probably should have said that up front. Uh, how did you celebrate? I hope everybody, I, I you know I celebrated in the way of a forty seven year old, which is I went to a baseball game. I hung out with some friends. I had a very nice afternoon. 
and then I went to bed and tried to sleep through the fireworks. Did you have at least hot dogs at the at the baseball game, or no? I did have a hot dog. You had a hot. You had a hot dog. Well, this is the problem. I may be fat, but at this point, I can't eat like a fat person anymore. Uh I'd be enormous. Uh uh You know, like you find yourself going places and you're like watching some thin friend of yours scarf down three hot dogs and you're like, man, that's like 17 pounds if I do that. Man, okay. Man, I like that. Sam Stone, you're funny. Um, good. I'm glad you had a good holiday and you did the all-American thing. Let me talk to you about this Missouri v. Biden case and the media. Um, it's it's really, as I say, it's very much related to what we were talking about. Here's the New York Times article on it, just for the audience. This is the case I was discussing uh, on air yesterday with a bunch of you. Brett uh, Johnson was our guest, where the judge, the federal judge in this case, um, which really was brought by people like Jay Bhattacharya and the great Barrington folks, just detailed dozens and dozens and dozens, I mean beyond peradventure examples of the government pressuring social media companies to censor information they didn't like, opinion they didn't like, thoughts, words, statements they didn't like, particularly but not exclusively having to do with COVID. And the New York Times today... Uh, or was it yesterday? Yesterday's New York Times. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the case is a flashpoint. I'm going to read you what they write. The case is a flashpoint in the broader effort by conservatives to document what they contend is a liberal conspiracy by Democrats and tech company executives to silence their views. It taps into fury on the right about how social media companies have treated stories about the origins of COVID, the 2020 election, and Hunter Biden, the president's. Did they read the opinion? Did they just wash through these 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 this passel of examples? The judge did they even read this opinion, or is it again? Well, it's because it's conservative speech, so it doesn't matter. Well, it's it's that, but it's more nefarious than that, Seth. I, I mean, realistically, what the New York Times and you see this now already being mirrored in all the other left leaning, yeah. uh, you know, outlets. What they're trying to do is to to change the ruling. They're trying to say it was one thing, not what it is, so that they can attack it. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, because the reality is I think it's almost impossible for them to attack the ruling as is, um, which is very clear that the government, you know, as we know from the Twitter files in this case and lots of other things that are going on right now, the government has been putting their their, uh, hand on the scales of free speech in a very nefarious way for a long time now that accelerated deeply under COVID. They're using it as a weapon. They're using disinformation while claiming to be fighting it. Um, And, you know, this ruling, I think there were some flaws with it. I agree with some folks who said it wasn't the best written ruling they've ever seen. I think that's true. It's a really important ruling, and it's going to bring a lot of others. And for the New York Times to say one of the things they said in their article about it was, oh, the judge brought up debunked claims like the vaccines don't. I have it in front of me. Yeah, let me give it to you precisely. In one previous case, Judge Dowdy accepted a fact. Excuse me. In one previous case, Judge Dowdy accepted as fact the claim that COVID-19 vaccines do not prevent transmission of the disease. Huh. Huh. So. 
he claimed that a fact was a fact. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, literally, that's what they're saying. Yeah, that they're trying to present it as the opposite. They have no idea what they're talking about anymore, and I think it betrays the idea that the New York Times has a semblance of what they're talking about. Schellenberger writes, "The New York Times says the July Fourth anti-censorship ruling is a blow." to efforts to fight disinformation, but it's not. Rather, it's a blow to government censorship. As for disinfo, the Times is a super spreader, claiming in the same article that vaccines prevent the spread of COVID-19. That's it. That's We need to adopt that line, Sam. The New York Times and the mainstream media are the real super spreaders of misinformation. Oh, that's exactly right. And, and look, I mean, part of the reason that the left is so up in arms over this ruling is in What's been hidden, by the way, I don't know if you caught this. You probably have because you're like one of a handful of people I know who reads even more than I do, Seth. But, I don't know if that's um, true. I take that as criticism. We just had an <laughs> I article. take that as a criticism. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Seth, you're even more of a geek than I am. <laughs> um, you know, so The Lancet just published a study on COVID vaccine deaths, and they basically came out, and the data that they had showed that something like 148,000 vaccine deaths here in the United States. And it was pulled within a week. And almost nobody knows this happened. I saw that. The games they play. We were tracking uh, when the vaccines came out, there were these things called breakthrough infections. Funny, you just don't hear that phrase anymore. But that was the initial phrase that was used. And the CDC was actually had a ticker, which was kind of helpful. Hospitalized with vaccine, death with vaccine. Yeah. And um, the numbers were growing. I reported them regularly. And once it hit about... I'm working off memory here, but I'm pretty close. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong within a thousand. Something like once it hit about 20,000 Americans had died with the COVID vaccine from COVID overnight. You know what the CDC did? You do know what they did. They just took it down. They just removed it with no explanation whatsoever. No, look, there's there's every possibility right now that the vaccine caused more deaths than it prevented. Every possibility that that's the case. Now, there's still evidence that it did reduce mortality risk in the highest risk population group, right? Yep. And so this is why these type of disingenuous, uh, disingenuous use of information and disingenuous narratives being fed to the public by the New York Times and others is so dangerous. Because if we had been smarter throughout that rollout and targeted the vaccine within that very high risk group, we would have done an un, unmitigated good. Absolutely. We would have been on the right track 100%. Absolutely. Instead, we created real harm because we weren't willing to be honest about the And gave the false senses of security all altogether with the, with the misinformation that the ma- <clears throat> that the masking and the vaccine was important for young kids and for young adults. The idea no, that but, they would be free and safer because of it, 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 it turned out to be a lie that did endanger lives, and we're dealing with a lot of fallout from it right now. Well, and, and, and similarly, the lie about... Um, off and paper mask, right? Correct. Like, there, Correct. There, All of that was is, saturated with lies. Right. There is some real benefit to an N95 mask. Sure. Now, it's not indefinite. Sure. It's really for temporary short periods. So sure. if you're going to be in a building for an hour and you're in the very high-risk group and you want to wear a properly fitted N95, you're doing something significant to protect yourself. Sure. It's but not, it's not what everyone was flogging, though, including the President of the United States. No, they went out and told people like my 94-year-old father that all they had to do was wear a cloth or paper mask. It was a patriotic duty, the president said. 
Yeah, but they also told him they'd be okay, yep. and they put him at risk because of that. Uh, let me take a quick break. Uh, sorry, Sam. Uh, well, Sam Stone and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. Sam, you were making a point about your dad and uh, medical masks, I think. I'm sorry. Right well, just, the break. just that uh, people like my father, right, who were told that they would be safe or significantly safer by going out in these cloth and paper masks that we knew, that we knew if you looked at the data, did absolutely nothing to prevent COVID. That Anthony um, Fauci knew and told us about at the very beginning of COVID. He knew that. Right. He told us that. Yes. That's exactly right. And so... They told us this. They told people like that, that that this would save you. And then those people went out and exposed themselves in ways that maybe were not smart. And this is where when you give people wrong information, even if these experts think they're doing it for the right reasons, you cannot. They abrogated the trust of the public. They put people at risk. Now they're finding out it's really hard to get that trust back. These last two years, the experts, including the people at the New York Times, the Washington Post, and all these others who just tear up the government line, the left government line, no matter what it is, um, they are doing real, actual physical harm to society. They are getting people killed. And yet, when you come out and say something like, no, I don't think a, a man with a male organ is a woman, they accuse us of violence for saying things like that while they're actually committing things. They're actually doing things that kill people. Think, of, think about, think about that as an intellectual matter at what happened at ASU. Take, take the, the, let's go back to Ann Atkinson and ASU for yeah. a second. Think about this. Dennis Prager's <clears throat> big violation is he doesn't support unrestricted abortion rights, and he says things like a man is a man and a woman is a woman which is a fact based and grounded and rooted in nature. It's a fact. It, it just is. In fact, that's what nature means. It's a biological truism that you cannot avoid. So he is criticized, condemned for that position and, 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 com- and coming to ASU while believing in that position. Meanwhile, 38 faculty members can call him a white supremacist, which is not a fact, with no consequence whatsoever. Think about that double standard. Facts we won't have, but 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 hyper 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 politicized language and slander we will tolerate. As long as it's the right type exactly. of hyper politicized language and slander. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Look, there you know, there was a meme I, I actually haven't shared and I keep hesitating because I feel like, you know, it even I sometimes pull back and say, I'm not sure I really want to go that far. Right. Um, but, but I don't think it's wrong necessarily. Yeah. Um, and that is, and I'm, I'm pulling it up right now here. It's a photo of four people, leaders who have a ministry of truth, their political opponents arrested and believe that children belong to the state. Okay. I can, I could, I, I don't know the meme, but I, I could guess a few. You want me to guess? Uh, can I can I guess? Sure. Yeah, please. Uh, Xi Jinping. No, oh. this is historical. So I'll give Mao you a Tse Tung. Yep, there's one. Uh, Fidel Castro. No, but he could be on the list. Joseph Stalin. Yep, that's two. Joseph B- Robinette Biden. 
Uh, he is he is on there also. Uh, yeah. This is what this is the weirdest thing they keep saying. They are not your children. They're our children. It is so right. weird. Yeah. No. This. I mean, we literally have a president right now who has a ministry of truth created a ministry of truth whose Department of Justice is targeting and attempting to jail his political opponent, primary political opponent, and who repeatedly goes on television and says, these kids do not belong to you, That's right, Mr. and Mrs. Parent. And so does the NEA, and so does the AFT, and so do most of the leaders of the local unions. It's an odd, odd thing. This is what, when I said Castro, it's because I have in my mind a memory of Elian Gonzalez saying his dad was Fidel Castro. That's the thought. The father mm-hmm. is the father of the child is the head of state. And, you know, and Castro is, is yeah. certainly a descendant of this idea. Of course he is. And, and, and you know, yeah. it, but now so is Joe Biden. Yes. So are modern Democrats. It's the so oddest. The I cannot. Be, and you have pointed out the legislation that's flowing through the Assembly of California the same attitude when it comes to children and parents and children's services when it's when it has to do with children who think that maybe they aren't a boy even though they were born that way and the state is making the claim that they want to intervene even if the parents disagree again quick break here sam you can pick up on that when we come right back sam stone is my guest sam the paul pol is his twitter handle his radio show breaking battlegrounds heard every uh, saturday afternoon here at 3 p.m. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. Sam, this 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 issue where the parents, whether you're the head of the AFT, the NEA, or the president or the United States government in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, where they keep repeating that the children aren't the parents; they belong to us, the state. Uh, you were the first, I think, to point out to this audience the bills, the legislation in California, where beyond beyond the school context. There are efforts to have children's services intervene with the parents. May dis- it's all about the transgender issue, by the way. All of these examples have to do with the sexualization and the transgenderization of the children. It's an odd marriage of, um, of, 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 of Maoist statism and uh, sexual anarchy for the children. It's weird, Sam. It's weird. We, we hit a cultural and uh, academic ideological inflection point in 2019 and 2020. The, the, the gloves came off. The shells were cracked off the nuts. And now we're left with this truly Marxist ideology of everything and everyone belongs to the government. Mm-hmm. And that is underlying everything that's happened in 2020 and 2021 and since. And, you know, I mean, look at these bills in California where you know, if you don't take your kid to have a doctor, you know, your boy says, I'm a girl today, and you don't take them to the doctor to have their pee-pee chopped off, um, they can be taken away from you. You can be prosecuted. And this bill, by the way, I mean, this is the thing that baffles me. This bill is not written, obviously, by a parent. This bill is written by a guy who's married to a guy who has no kids. These bills, all of them, written by the same, you know, San Francisco area radical. Well, that's LGBTQ what makes them an expert. Politician. That, that's yeah. what makes them an, ex, an expert. And this guy, by the way, may end up being Nancy Pelosi's replacement. But, I mean, he's the front runner. That's at what some makes point them an expert in the progressive uh, firmament. Yes, of course. Of course, Sam. They just have to have the right ideology. And the, it, it, you, you know, know <sighs> something else today, obviously, we've seen. I, 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 
blanking on the name of it, this new Instagram-based version of Twitter that, you know, 30 million leftists all ran and signed up for oh, the today. Thre- the threads thing or whatever it's called. Thre- yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing. If you want to understand the political discussion in this country right now mm-hmm. and which side is on the side of truth and, and good, yeah. quite frankly, um, and which side is not, look at the fact that for years, Republicans and conservatives complained about Twitter and threatened to leave Twitter and go create alternatives because we were upset about it censoring speech. Right. We didn't demand it censored anyone else. We didn't demand anyone else's views to right. be limited. We simply wanted ours to be shared right. equally. Right. Leftists are doing leaving Twitter and demanding and you know, and demanding change because they're upset that they're no longer allowed to censor right. people. Conservatives in the public square, we can't have that. It, that's, that is such a fundamental issue. I mean, when I look at that, that you, you want to talk about getting me grinding my teeth mad at something. It's this narrative that somehow conservatives are the hateful ones because we want to be able to have our views shared and considered. And debate and, the and, left and to debate, and debate them. them. Yes. Yeah. To, the right to debate. It, yes. But but we're the bad guys. And then the people who are saying, no, you cannot speak. You need to go sit down. We're going to take your children. We're going to throw you in jail. We're going to shut you up because you have wrong things. Yeah, no, that's right. Those, that's right. Your your are, views are, are, are not part of the acceptable stage upon which we want to engage in our democratic passion play here. Your views are anathema. Your views as conservatives do not fit the proper and acceptable range of debate that they have they have taken over that realm unto yeah. themselves to 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 uh, shall we say marginalize an entire political party and viewpoint from the politi- from uh, not respectable but tolerable and allowable political discussion and, and they're going so far and this is always a hallmark of this sort of dictator authoritarian leftism they're going so far as to change the works of the past. Yes, they not, are. Not just the history, but That's the right. fiction. That's right. That's right. And I was, must have been about a month ago, I was reading a book review of a um, of uh, the Cultural Revolution, uh, Mao's Cultural Revolution. And uh, to this day, not only was a mark of the Cultural Revolution a, uh, a, 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 a rewriting of the past back then, but now, under Xi Jinping, they're rewriting the past of the Cultural Revolution for, mm-hmm. you know, them anyone pointing that out. It's, it's revision upon, stacked upon revision. And you look at that, and you look at the getting rid of the, uh, the, the, the four C's in the Mao Revolution. You look at what one of these uh, authors about about Maoism, she escaped Maoism, says the erasure of feminism, the erasure of femininity, the erasure of women in the Cultural Revolution, not physically killing women, not physically marching them off to concentration camps, well, but removing their feminine did. aspects and any any attire that would allow them to look feminine, to make everyone look like male. It's, it's eerie how much – China doesn't need to invade us. We're importing them. We are importing them. But the ideology really anyway, yeah. Is we're we're also importing one of their biggest mistakes, which ties into that erasure of all things female. Yeah. Their one-child policy. Yes, which yes. which culturally they knew yep. would result in huge amounts more boys than girls because people would seek selective abortions, or in the many horror stories, if they gave birth to a girl child, would 
simply like toss it down a well because a boy would be more valuable to the family long term. So they knew the consequence of that policy would be the destruction of a significant portion of the women who could have lived in that country. They knew that. Um, and, and what are we seeing here? What are we seeing right now in this country from the left where they're, they, you know, and from not just this country, much more so in Canada and some of these others, where they're starting to very selectively engage in killing people who don't fit their idea of who should be living on this planet. It's just such an odd thing. So they whitewash Marxist Maoism or all Marxism. Let's just start with that. They they whitewash that. They promote it. They promote it in children's channels and in our schools. And um, and then and then they just kind of let it seep and soak in. And we worry about the Wuhan lab leak and the virus that came out of the Wuhan lab. We have a much bigger lab leak in this country because whether it's our universities or our elementary and secondary schools, it's not a it's not a virus that kills our lungs. It's a virus that's killing our brains, and it's Marxism. It's exactly right. And and look, Marxism has always had. It's it's interesting because they're actually taking the ideas of Marxism much further, yeah. even yeah. in certain ways, than the Russians did. The yeah. Russians would still you know, under the Soviets and the Chinese do this, right? Um, they're not misdirecting their kids on STEM subjects. Yeah, they, They've been smart enough to say we're going to indoctrinate them everywhere else. Yeah. We're going to teach them real at math At least they'll know science. math and science, yeah. At least we'll launch and, and Sputnik, yeah. We're not even teaching them math and science yeah. anymore because it doesn't comport to their ideology. That's, That's just correct. crazy. Well, Sam... Thank you, sir. If my producer had low blood sugar before you got on, you gave him high blood sugar with your with your uh, with your keen insights well, <laughs> and your wonderful use of language. Pressure, yes. right? <laughs> God bless you, sir. Until next week, check his uh, show out, Breaking Battlegrounds, every Saturday at three p.m. Be good, Sam. As always, not Thanks. happen. We've got banks failing. We have stock market volatility. We have predictions of a recession on the horizon. We have clear and present and lasting inflation. And you ask yourself, where do I invest? Why Refi has an answer. And it's in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and they are based here locally. They encourage you to stop by their offices, as I do. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. No one's going to ask you to sign a thing. You're not going to get a sales pitch. They just like talking about what it is that they do. And when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much, and you will as well. Why Refi is a due diligence uh, due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a ten point two five percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi dot com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R E F Y dot com, or give them a call at eight 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 Y Refi thirty four eight 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 Y Refi thirty four. You want a kind of perfect coda. To what Sam and I were just talking about. New Zealand's Prime Minister, former Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern, in the during the uh, during the COVID pandemic, famously said, "We, the government, 
will be your single source of truth. She went on to say, unless you hear it from us, it is not the truth. This is obviously the same viewpoint that the government had, the CDC had, and that required the ruling that we got in Missouri versus Biden. She is no longer the prime minister of New Zealand. Do you know what she is doing now? David, Bill, want to guess? Either one of you? Yeah, Yeah, I have a guess. I bet she's writing a book. Oh, I'm sure there's a book. Oh, I'm sure there's a book. But um, that would be a one-time fee for her or a one-time advance for her. What is she doing for her ongoing regular biweekly salary? She was offered a professorship and has taken a professorship at Hartford. A perfect coda to what we're talking about here and what we have been talking about. The lab leak of import wasn't in Wuhan. The lab leak is right here in our institutions. And it comes with a really toxic name that anyone who ever lived under it and could get out of it or survived it will tell you was far more toxic. And that virus is called Marxism. Folks, thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.